Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Ethan Barry and Madison Bell. Welcome to another edition of The Howler. I'm Ethan Barry, and uh, we're actually going to start with an interview, and then I'll be joined by Madison Bell. We're uh, pleased to be joined by uh, Andrew Kristoff, center on the NC State hockey team. NC State went to Charlottesville for the ACCHL tournament this past weekend and uh, fell in the semifinals to Wake Forest. Andrew, how are you doing this weekend, or this evening, I guess? I'm great, Ethan. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely happy to have you. Um, so talk about, you know, this weekend, your final, uh, I guess your final games as a member of the Wolfpack as you'll uh, be graduating and you just told me you're looking at some grad schools for engineering. But just talk a little bit about, um, you know, this weekend, your final weekend with NC State, uh, the hockey team anyway. It definitely had its ups and downs. I mean, the ups. Um, you get to play with your brothers that many of them you called your brothers on the hockey team for the last four years. And just being able to go out on the ice is something that I, I love and those memories I'll have for the rest of my life. I'm really disappointed in the way it turned out. I mean, losing to Wake Forest, we had a, we had a great chance to come back and, and win that game. And I know things didn't go our way, but when I look back at it, I'm just incredibly thankful for the opportunity to to play with an NC State uh, logo on my jersey, and I'm also thankful for the guys that I got to play with. It was an amazing opportunity, yeah, and you, I'm just I'm incredibly grateful. Yeah, you're uh, you've been one of my favorite players to watch on the team. Um, my third year covering the team, and um, you definitely represent the university so well. Um, but one thing uh, that I wanted to ask you about, you had actually been hurt the last two weekends and weren't able to play. How important was it to you to be able to get back on the ice for your final weekend? It was definitely hard being out for those two weeks, I know, against uh, UNC Wilmington and also for senior night and military appreciation games against West Virginia. But um, I I worked hard. I, I rested a lot to try and get yeah. back on the ice. And I'm, I'm really thankful that I recovered quickly from from the concussion that I got the week before, or about three weeks ago now. And while, while I'm sad I didn't get those last four games, I was, I was so happy to be back on the ice this weekend and to play in those two games against JMU and and Wake Forest. Yeah, it was big for the team to have you back out there. You know, as I mentioned, you represent the university so well, and, and one of the reasons I say that is is how hard you play on literally every single shift. You're always out there on the penalty kills making plays. Um, you know, is is how hard you play? Is that just, you know, is that a hockey thing? Like, is there a reason? What I mean, what uh, this is a tough question for me to ask. I don't know where I'm going. Like, what is the driving force behind, you know, why you play so hard? Well, first of all, Ethan, thank you for the for the really kind comments. I, I appreciate that, man. 
Yeah, no but problem. I'm to, just telling you what I see. Just to, to answer your question, um, I'd, I'd say there are a couple main factors that determine just the way I play out on the ice. And one is just for for the for the love and respect I have for my brothers on the team. They they mean the world to me. We go uh, we've been through a lot together, and just I know when I get out on the ice, I I go to fight. I go out there to battle hard, and every shift counts in a game of hockey. In a shift, one one team can completely take away the momentum from another team, and I believe that just when you go out there, you you focus on doing your best in that shift, and when you do that, you can put together a game, but it starts with one. And if you have a bad shift, you just come out there and reset on the bench and, and go back out, and you start with a clean slate every time you hit that ice. And that's the mentality I take when I go out on the ice. Yeah, it's a great mentality. And, um, you know, it was definitely evident seeing you out there. What's going to be your favorite memory from – from this season, your senior season, and then if you have a different memory from the previous three years um, that you'll definitely take with you for the rest of your life? Oh, from from this season, yeah. I'd definitely say my, my shootout winner against UNC Wilmington. We were in Wilmington. We came from behind to tie the game late. And just having the opportunity to, to get out there on a shootout and to put one past the goaltender was – just an incredible feeling to to win the game with the uh, with you coming down the ice with the puck on your stick. There's not many more feelings in hockey that are better than that. And I'd say a similar play was one of my favorite memories all time on NC State. It was our our first game back in the spring semester of my junior year, and we played a, a tough Louisville team. I know, I believe they were ranked in the top 10 in the ACHA South at the time, and we were we were trying to crack the rankings for the first time in, I'd say, two years. And we were down 5-1 to one coming into the second period, and our team came back in that period and, and fought, and we tied that game up at 7, and... They went to overtime. We made it through overtime, and we're about on the seventh round of the shootout. And I, I didn't expect this coming, but coach tapped me on the shoulder and, and said, "Hey, Kristoff, you're next." And man, I I just remember my my heart racing, and I I knew that I would have an opportunity. And right after that, we see the Louisville player skate down. And Joey Hall makes a great save on that player and hit the ice and knew I had the game on my stick. And the night before in practice, worked on worked on shootouts, actually. And me and Will Bieberdorf always work on shootouts after practice. And I, I did a move that I, <laughs> I worked on with Will the night before. And it worked. And I just remember skating back to the bench and the, <laughs> the boys are jumping out and going crazy. And 
we couldn't I couldn't believe I scored. I couldn't believe we won the game. It was it was amazing. It's one of the one of the hockey memories that I'll have in my you know I'll have the rest of my life. Yeah, I remember both of those games actually. I wasn't at the Louisville game, but um I was listening to it on the radio and that was a fantastic uh, uh comeback. And the UNCW game as well this year. I was I was there for radio, but man, that was just a great game. Uh Sam Manishevitz tied it up with about a minute left. And then uh like you said, seven, eight rounds of shootout and and you won it and I keep saying that that UNCW game was maybe the best game I've I've ever seen. One final question for you, Andrew. You know, you're leaving this team now, but um, everybody always remembers players um, from the past. What's one legacy, or what is your legacy that you hope to leave with this team moving forward? I think that there are really two things that I want to leave behind, and one of those is your hard work and determination on the ice, and I think when it's it's a it's a way of leadership. When one guy steps up and and gives his all every shift, one guy starts falling, and then another guy. Then you know your line, and then it just it trickles down. And I I hope that NC State. Ice hockey is is always known as a team that's determined, hardworking, hard to play against, and will never give up. And that's one one legacy that I want to leave. And also is the is brotherhood. And we want to be a team that accepts all of their background, their hockey background where they live, where they grew up, where they played in the past, and and just showing respect to each other. And that's one of the things that, that I go into the locker room with every day. And when when the guys just go into the rink day by day with that mindset, at the end of the season you have a team that that's very tight-knit and we want to go to battle for each other each and every game. And I'd say that's the other legacy that I want to leave with the team. Yeah, definitely. I think those are uh, great things to leave behind. NC State hockey is definitely uh, in a better place because of you and and the other seven seniors that are are graduating this year. All right, Andrew, anything else you want to say before we let you go? I just need to take a second to, to thank my rookie class, the seniors, and... Just all they've done. Sam, Stanisevitz, Will Buberdorf, Jack McDonald, Chris Wing, Lisa Menez. I mean, those guys are my brothers, and they've all done incredible things to make this team great. And they're all going to leave an amazing legacy. And I just wanted to thank them for for just being for being amazing guys. And uh, just uh, for all they've done the last four years to make this team really special. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. This senior class has uh, has been phenomenal. Andrew, thanks for being with us on the Howler. Of course, Ethan. Thanks for your time. 
want to thank Andrew Kristoff from the NC State hockey team for joining me tonight on The Howler. Now I'm joined by Madison Bell. Madison, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty well. A little tired. Long weekend in uh, Charlottesville. And uh, I'd say it was a disappointing ending for us. but uh, Very sad. It was a fun hockey season. It was. And um, Shout out the hockey team for all the fantastic memories over the past four years. Yeah. Much appreciated. Yeah, it was a good year. <coughs> um, not a great year, obviously. Would have been nice to uh, finish it off in the ACCHL tournament. Charlotte uh, won, if you weren't aware of that. Charlotte beat Wake Forest. I believe final score was 6-2 to two on Sunday. Um, so if you're interested in that, Charlotte did win the ACCHL tournament. I said it on Saturday, but uh, if NC State had beaten Charlotte in Charlotte a couple weeks ago, Charlotte wouldn't have even made the tournament. And then uh, they come out and win the whole thing, and that just kind of tells you, you know, what can happen in a, in a tournament, especially in, like, a three-day tournament like that. So uh, anything else to add about the hockey team? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, it was a good year. We'll miss uh, – a bunch of the guys who are graduating and uh, look forward to another run next year. Speaking of runs in the tournament, the NC State basketball team has been known to have a few underdog Cinderella type runs. And uh, to me, it seems like another year. I say another year like it happens every year, but <laughs> seems like another good year for uh, a Cinderella type run for NC State. Absolutely. You agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that this is one of those teams that if you're not prepared for them or you underestimate them, then they can blindside you. And sometimes they can blindside you even when you are prepared. Because if Al Freeman comes out shooting 7-for-7 seven seven like he did in Chapel Hill, yeah, you never, like, you never know. I, I don't think uh, NC State's a great three-point shooting team. That's really what upsets are made of typically, is, you know, a hot three-point shooting game. NC State's got, I'd say, five, six guys who can come out and knock down five or six threes. Omir, Braxton Beverly, Al Freeman, Sam Hunt, maybe Torn, Markel. Those are all guys who have a chance to get hot. And, um, you know, if State shoots well in the ACC tournament, in the NCAA tournament, State's gonna be State's gonna be very dangerous, and Absolutely. and it all comes down to matchups. But first of all, State's got to get there, and uh, winning two games last weekend last week, I should say, was huge. I I was concerned that State was gonna go. Oh well, I predicted State to go one and one. I think, um, I, you know, it wouldn't have shocked me to see zero and two. I was more surprised to see two and zero than I think I would have been to see zero and two. Interesting. Your thoughts on that? Um, I just – there's something about this team that I just can't count them out. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I have felt like that in previous years, but the way that Kevin Keats is coaching this team, and I, I feel like we say it week after week, but he's really changed their mindset. And not this past episode of Wolfpack Hustle, but the one before that. He kind of touched on it a little bit and said, like, he's gotten into the like into his players minds to like finally let 
them understand that they can win any game they want to. Right. So, I I just, I don't know. Yeah, and I think I saw States won four road games this year, four ACC road games. Not and easy. Th- no, and that's as many ACC wins as they had last year. Honestly, coming into the year, really even after the first two road games against Notre Dame and Clemson, I was just hoping State could find, you know, if you're looking at the ACC tournament, I was just hoping for two road wins and then you try to hold, hold serve at home. And only lose you only lose one game and you win two on the road. Lose one home game, two on win two on the road. That puts you at 10 and 8. That puts you in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Well, State now State's won four road games. So, winning four road games State's always going to be a good home team, even when mm-hmm. they're not as good like the last couple of years. State was still a difficult team to play at home, mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, what, did we get blown out once last year at home against Chapel Hill? Yeah, that was painful. But, I, I mean, even those losses last year were, were close, and most of our wins came at home. But State's always going to be a good home team. They're always going to be able to win. You know, if the team is decent, State's going to win six, seven, eight home games, I think. So then you go on the road, find f- a way to win four or five. That's how you get into the tournament. That's how you get a double buy in the ACC. Mm-hmm. State's well on their way to, you know, the NCAA tournament. I don't even know. I mean, I guess technically State's still in the bubble, but I I don't know. My thing is, like, this team is finally proving they can win on the road, which is huge for the tournament because pretty much every tournament game is an away game. Well, it's neutral site. Yeah, but, like, yeah. it's not a home game, so it's an away game. Right. You know? I. So, I mean. The difference in the, in the tournament and a regular road game is State will have a large majority of, of fans at a neutral site game because State fans travel so well. So, you know, I don't think, you know, we're, when you go to Syracuse, there's 30,000 fans or whatever rooting against you. Well, in the NCAA tournament, the ACC tournament, you know, State's not going to have 30,000 fans rooting against them. Yeah. Because a large majority, or at least a decent amount of them, depending on where it is, obviously, will be State fans. But I, I don't know. The, the Syracuse game was impressive. You weren't able to watch that one, I don't think. Nope. I had another work obligation. But I, th- that game was impressive to me. State went up 70-62. to 62. Uh, with about two minutes left, Syracuse came back, ate a run, and then Markel Johnson hit the huge three and closed it out. But to me, the most impressive part was how State responded after the double technical against Markel Johnson, which was an absolutely terrible call. And, I mean, that the Syracuse player should have been ejected. And I don't think you can call a technical on Markel. I don't think calling a technical on him is horrible, but... I don't understand how it's a double tech and you just resume play after Markel got shoved twice and he got up and said something. I mean, what are you, I mean, if you get shoved, what are you, I mean, you know, are you not supposed to say something? That's, I mean, that's my mentality, but I really thought, and that was his fourth foul. I thought that was going to be huge. What do you think that says about, you know, the resiliency? And we've talked about all year, the resiliency that this team has, and that was just another uh, instance of it. I think... Um, because of the situation that happened at the beginning of the year with Markel being suspended, I think that it has a lot to do with him and how he's taking 
the rest of the season as a learning experience and as a privilege more so than anything else. So he's going to have that resiliency to always play with 155% of what he's doing. Um, and also I think that that gave a lot to the team as well because this team had to learn how to win without Markel. Yeah. Which said a lot. Um, but this team is definitely one that is not going to give up. And I think it has a lot to do with Kevin Keats. I just can't stop saying good things about Kevin Keats. I really can't. Yeah. Well, the thing for me is every year, like all year, State has responded. Yeah. You take those first two ACC games out of it, which I know they count in the standings, and they really skew State stats. I know you'll look at some stats, and State's not as high up in the ACC. State lost their first two games by, like, a combined 45 points. And, and and throw the Virginia game in there where we lost by 17. So you've had three big losses, two of them without Markel, and, you know, the majority of their roster playing their first ACC games. And then you throw in the game against Virginia where State's playing probably the best team in the country in their first game with Markel back. And I think those three games really skew the stats, but – State's ability to win close games, as we saw against Wake Forest, you know, down down to the end, Wake Forest kept fighting. Got to give them credit. Mm-hmm. But against Syracuse, you're up seventy to sixty-two with two minutes left. Ninety seconds later, it's tied. No way, you know, past NC State teams, especially in recent memory, would have won that game. No way. Yeah. And um, you know, that's a credit to. Uh, to Coach Keats and and the players on the team too, you know we got to give them credit. Absolutely. I think Al I think Al Freeman and Sam Hunt have done a lot leadership wise for this team. Um, you know I don't know who the locker room leader is, but Al Freeman comes from a winning program at Baylor, and uh, you know I know a lot of people like to complain about him on the court, and he he just hasn't been a great shooter this year, and it, it, I feel bad for him because he is a good shooter. And he's just struggled, and he's made a couple bad decisions, you know, and that's fine. Every player does. But I, I think the value that he's provided to this team has has improved over the course of the year. I agree. And the other thing, he's gotten better. I think he had 24 points on, like, 10 shots against Wake Forest. That's very efficient. Yeah. That's TJ Warren type numbers, <laughs> you know? Yep. Tony Buckets. So – I don't know. I mean, how, f- how? I mean, what do you think the ceiling is for this team in the ACC tournament? Do you think they can go all the way? I mean, I know we've still got what four games left. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, it's obviously it's possible. Yeah. But, I mean, realistically, where I mean, okay, let me phrase it this way: Where do you, if State doesn't make it to a certain point? We would be disappointed. What point would that be for you? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. Jeez. I think for me, I I'd go quarterfinals. Honestly, yeah. I don't. I mean, it's the ACC is so tough, and without knowing the matchup, it's so difficult. Because I mean, what's the estimate? Well, projected right now. You told me yesterday. Right now, I think we're projected to be the sixth seed. And didn't you say play either Syracuse or Wake Forest? Or pit? no? Um. 
you said either either way, if we won that game, we would end up playing Duke. Probably. I'm trying to find it. Um. If it ended right now, State is the sixth seed. Mm -hmm. I gotta find a bracket. Okay, here it is. Say it would be the seven seed okay. and play Syracuse or Pitt. Okay. And then if you win, you play Duke. I mean, it, I losing to Syracuse or Pitt would be hugely disappointing. Oh, I agree. But losing to Duke would not be. No. Plus, we've already beaten Duke once this year, and I just – in the past, I remember us beating Duke in the regular season and then getting stomped in the ACC tournament. Yeah, that tournament. happened in the Trevor Lacey year. Yes. Yeah. That was my freshman year. Yeah. Maybe that's why I remember that. That team also went on to win the national championship. Which this Duke team is not going to do unless they get Marvin Bagley and figure things out quickly. But, yeah, I, I still wouldn't expect State to beat Duke in this scenario. I, but at the I don't think time, they would get stomped. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I also don't think State's going to finish as the seven seed. State's got an easy schedule ahead of them. All things considered, you know, you got Boston College tomorrow night, which should be a win. It ter the game terrifies me, but it should be a win. You got you, – uh, Georgia Tech, I know the last game was against Louisville. You got Georgia Tech. Oh, that's not the basketball schedule. Okay, so you got, oh, Florida State is on Sunday mm -hmm. at 6. And then you got Georgia Tech on the road on Thursday. To me with, oh. That Georgia Tech game is going to be interesting. Yeah, all road games scare me, but we've won four of them. I, I mean, that's a relatively easy road ske uh, schedule the rest of the way, to me. I mean, it's not, it's not terribly easy, but it's the ACC. And, th and you play Louisville. You play Florida State, who's the eight, and Louisville, who's the six. You play both of those teams. You could jump them. Clemson is the four seed, and they've started to struggle. Uh, and which was really, I think everybody saw that coming with Dante Grantham going out. And Virginia Tech is the five. State's lost the tiebreaker to Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech still has to play Duke and I think a couple other teams. So State can move up, I think. Yeah. Virginia Tech plays Clemson, Louisville, Duke, and at Miami. That's an incredibly tough schedule. Clemson plays Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, FSU, and Syracuse. So th those are losable games in there for them. I I could see, see State making a run. I really could. I honestly wouldn't hate playing Virginia. How would you feel about that? That would be tough. I mean, they've struggled lately, though. They haven't been, you know, the team that they were a couple weeks ago when we played them. I feel like if we, could if we the played them again, it would not be like it was the first time. Yeah. If we could get them to play – our, our game, style. yes, yeah. because that's part of what makes Virginia so good. Right, is they don't change their style of play no matter what's going on. Yeah, they don't match the other team's tempo or anything like that. So it makes it also helps that it takes them 15 seconds to inbound the ball. But yeah, that's another story. I, I mean, for me, as long as states in the quarterfinals, it'd be hard for me to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, it depends on the matchup. Notre Dame could get Bonzi Colson back and be still be playing on Tuesday. That's an extremely difficult schedule in this or 
matchup in the second round mm -hmm. if State you know, were to face them. So I don't know. We'll see. I'd say as long as State gets into the quarterfinals, I'm fine. What about the NCAA tournament? What are your thoughts on that? Depending on matchups. Yeah, it, that's the thing. It depends on matchups. I I mean, we can obviously talk about this at a later date when we know, but. I think it would be tough. Sweet 16. You'd be disappointed if we didn't get to the Sweet 16? Oh, well, I mean, no, that's where I think we're going to make it to. I'd be disappointed if we didn't win, our, win the first round. Like, if we didn't make it to the round of 32, I'd be disappointed. Yeah, see, I'd just be disappointed if we. I, I don't think I'd be disappointed. At all. Really? I mean, obviously, in the heat of the moment, yeah, it's heartbreaking. I'd be sad. Right. But in the long-term long, long term view, I mean, making the tournament in your first year, like you said, it depends on who you play. If State – look, theoretically, State could play their way up into being a six or a seven seed. Yeah. And then if you lose your first-round game, then it's kind of disappointing. But at the same time, like, there's not – like, this team has shown that there's not a team in the country that they can't beat. Yeah. So – I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, I. Who do you think State needs to step up? I mean, you got a boo, obviously. I was thinking Omir. He, ha I think he had twenty or so points the other day against Wake, and uh, he had had a couple of cold games. I'd say he's been missing some shots that he had been making. But for me, he like you cannot guard him. Like, either yeah. he makes or he misses a shot. It is nearly impossible to stop him from getting his shot. Yeah. So that's why I think he is such a, a key guy for State. Um, who's the guy for you? I'm actually going to go with Torin Dorn to continue playing how he's been playing because he's become a regular part of this offense. And I think that without his production, it could be. Yeah, like what would happen? Yeah, what would like happen if he gets in foul trouble or something? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Kind of I mean, like one of those like football games where it was like, what if Naheem doesn't? <laughs> like, what if Naheem doesn't perform well? Then it's like, yeah, you know, like you've been getting that from him every game. Yeah. Where's that gonna come from? Yeah. It's a good point. I agree. I mean, Torn Torn's easily been the most consistent player on the team. He's quiet about it, too, man. Yeah. It's like a sniper. Yeah. You don't really. Like, I don't feel like when teams come to play us, they're like, oh, you need to watch that torn Dorn kid. Yeah. No one says that. And he just. And he like, makes you pay for it. <laughs> like, he just finds, you know, you look up, <clears throat> and he's got 15 points and six boards. Like. But even if they did say, like, watch out for that Torn Dorn kid, I don't know if you'd be able to stop him anyway. Yeah, just because the way he scores. Yeah. Don't, they don't run plays for him. Yeah, he just goes. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's it's really just exciting to be having this conversation, which we couldn't have the last two years. Yeah. But, like I said, State's really got a chance to finish 12-6. and six. And if you're at 12-6, and six, I mentioned – uh, I looked this up a couple weeks ago. The cutoff line for double buy in the ACC tournament is twelve and six. I don't think there's a wow. team. I don't think there's a team that has gotten a double buy at less than twelve and six. But if tiebreakers break break the right way, state could get in at could get one at eleven and seven. Wow. That would obviously um, be fantastic. So we'll see. It's it's just been it's been so much fun, and uh, you know I keep saying this. 
wait till he has his guys that fit his system. Mm-hmm. State's going to have a ton of new players. At least five to this point. Wait, no. At least seven, excuse me, including the transfers. And I wouldn't be surprised if you add another one or two to the list. Thank you, Kevin Keats, for yeah. a memorable senior season so far. We still yeah. got a little bit to go. Yeah. but So, he, I mean, he's just done this with a roster that he put together at the last minute. So uh, that is going to be fun. In my mind, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm not sure if I've said it on here or not. But two years from now, Keats's third year, that's going to be when State becomes a nationally relevant, you know, top 15 team, in my opinion. You agree? Yeah. I mean, the pieces that you're going to have at that point right, are going to be – I mean, l- you look at next year's team, it's hard not to get excited about that, like yeah. I said, with all his guys. And then the only guy that you're – that who who won't be back the year after that is Torin Dorn, assuming, you know, nobody goes pro or anything like that. But My thing is, like, I don't think next year is going to be – Oh no! I stay. People, people are like, "Oh no, next year is going to be awful." And like, I, don't I just, th- I just don't think not. so. No, State's because definitely a tournament team. Because at that point, like, you have Markel again, mm-hmm. you have Braxton again, mm-hmm. who's gotten a ton of ACC experience so far. Yeah, I mean, Devin Daniels and CJ Bryce are going to be coming in, not playing in the ACC yet, but like, well, they they practice. They, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. They practice. And. You know, there's been multiple people who have said that Devin Daniels might be the best player on the team, and C.J. Bryce averaged 17 a game under Keats as a sophomore. And technically, C.J. Bryce has played against an ACC team because they played against Virginia. Yeah, and Duke the year before that. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, that's going to be a good team. I think C.J. Bryce and Devin Daniels, particularly Devin Daniels, who was just a really good player as a freshman at Utah, I think he averaged like 10 points and five rebounds. Thank goodness for his haircut. Sidebar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think Devin Daniels will be an all-ACC type player. Uh, Markel, the way he's going right now, he, I think he's an ACC player of the year. Mm. Potential candidate. I mean, he leads the ACC in assists by over two. And uh, obviously he's picked up the scoring, and we know what he can do defensively. You got those two guys. And then you got obviously, you know, new incoming players. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Those t- I exactly. mean, those two are going to lead the way. And uh, even without Omir, um, State's just going to be a really difficult matchup. I, I, I expect State will break into the top 25 at some point next year. Not necessarily stay there, but I think State will make appearance make an appearance in the top 25. Hmm. You agree? Yeah. I Like, after this, I just... And it's hard, <laughs> like, it's hard for me because... Like, Gottfried's first year was great, too. Sidney Lowe beat Duke and Caroline in his first year. You know, so we kind of mm-hmm. feel like we have to temper expectations, but. Yep. I mean, it's hard, you know. Mm-hmm. But you, th- I mean, we both think this w- this is going to be different, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why? I mean, I. I think it's different because just of the mentality that he has and like he has a plan. I don't really know that Mark Gottfried had a plan, which isn't yeah. necessarily to knock him. I've actually heard this before. I think Mark Gottfried wanted to become Kentucky and just become a one and done factory, but he couldn't recruit that well. So that was his plan, but then his plan never really worked out. So he was left scrambling, but I think Kevin Keats has a, has a plan and it's much more doable. I think Kevin Keats is first 
step on the ladder is to build a program. Right. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's just, oh, we're just going to get some okay players and we're just going to see how things go. It's like he is recruiting the type of players that fit his system. He's molding them once they get here. So, like, they already kind of fit that. Then he molds them, and then it's like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, and the player improvement is just another thing. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Look at Omir. He's example Mm -hmm. 1A. But I kind of, you know, this is really going back in time at this point. I, uh, Mark Godfrey reminds me of Larry Fedora in that his recruiting classes are always going to be good. Mark Godfrey could recruit with the best of them. But he didn't have guys who could fit his style. And it was just like, oh, this guy's five stars? Sign him up. This guy's high four stars? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. not necessarily watching him play. Not to see any of them were, you know, not actually good. They were good. But they didn't fit the system. And it was really just a bunch of different random puzzle pieces. And that's the thing. And same thing with Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora signs, like, three four-star wide receivers a year. And they're still bad. You know? My thing... I don't know why I just thought about this, but, like, NC State football doesn't get a lot of four and five stars. No. It doesn't. But look at the player development. Like, we're just going to go with the obvious one. Bradley Chubb. Mm-hmm. Like, think about how, like, yeah. that's a, like, I mean, he was just that's a good player development, you know? He was just a he was just linebacker. A yep. Yeah, just, just a random linebacker from Georgia. Jay chilling and, like, yeah. No, I 100% agree. L- like, Larry Fedora is terrible at player development, too. Their offensive and defensive line gets eaten alive by anybody who has a decent, you know, decent big guys up front. And it, it, reminds, it reminds me of Gottfried. Gottfried just got some players and then, like, all right, here you go. Go play. It was that's it was kind of like – I don't want to say – it was kind of like playground basketball with Mark Gottfried. Yeah, it was pickup ball. Yeah. But they always had to run that corner play. Man. <laughs> the banana. Yeah. I don't know. But that's God why. help that banana. That's why I feel like Keats is different because, A, he's got getting guys who fit his style. And, B, player development. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talked about how important player development is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gottfried had one player every year who would develop. T.J. Warren was the first one. C.J. Leslie was the first one. Mm-hmm. And Calvin, then ha- as Gottfried yeah. called him. <laughs> and people forget, Lorenzo Brown went from a, you know, a shooting guard to an NBA point guard. Mm-hmm. And T.J. Warren comes to mind. Cat Barber, you know. Uh, but it was always one, it was player. one player. It was one player. And it player. was always the player that you could tell he favored. Right. And – like no offense to all the other ones. Right. Keats has taken Amir, who was ready to go either pro or back to Turkey or something, ready to get out of town. He's turned him into an all-ACC player and a first-round pick. He's taken Braxton Beverly, who nobody even knew if he was an ACC caliber player, and turned him into a really just a, a steady force, a machine. Markel was literally not allowed to shoot last year. <laughs> like, he literally – like, it was – if you have the ball on the perimeter, do not shoot. And now Markel's shooting like 45% in th- from three in ACC games and hitting huge shots to win games, mm-hmm. you know? And Abu has obviously been a little bit of a disappointment, but I think a lot of that has been due to injury. You have Leonard Freeman, who's turned into a solid offensive player. Okay. 
I don't think people give Leonard Freeman enough credit. Yeah. I, I really don't. I feel bad for him because he's lost minutes because Omir has been so good. Yeah. But, like, Leonard, before this year, it was like, okay, we need some rebounds. And defense. Put in Le- yeah, we need some defense and some rebounds. Put in Leonard. And now it's like, okay, if we put in Leonard, we're going to get good rebounds, we're going to get some defense, and we're going to get some points. Yeah. Like, and he's coming off an injury, too. He didn't play basketball for a year. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I And agree. he's a completely – like, he stepped on the court, and it's like, where did this come from? And Al Freeman has gotten so much better than he was at the beginning of the year. He's sharing the basketball. Yeah, he's gotten so much better <laughs> than he was just at the beginning of the year. Yep. So that, I mean, it'll be, it'll be exciting to see what C.J. Bryce and Devin Daniels do after a year off. I'm excited. Especially if they're already <laughs> as good as – you know, as we've heard. So. I'm excited. It's like, it's sad because I'm like, okay, I'm ready for next year. And yeah. like, this season isn't even over yet. Yeah, I completely You know, agree. like, I'm going to be sad when, like, certain players leave. But it's also like, I'm so excited. Yeah. Because I just want to see, like, I'm ready to see this program flourish under Kevin Keats. Right. And I'm ready to see players. You're ready to be a top 15, top 10. And I'm player. ready to see these players develop and do well. Yeah. So, it'll be fun. I'm excited. And Keats, NC State fans trust, you know? Uh-huh. Hopefully we're not getting ahead of ourselves. I guess that thought always remains. But yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll see. A couple big games this week. Well, they're all big at this point, I guess, when you're <laughs> trying to get in the ACC tournament. <laughs> yeah. Or NCAA. Excuse me. So, Boston, a couple of home games. Boston College Tuesday, Florida State Sunday. You think State sweeps them? The Boston College game, no matter what sport, always concerns me. Yeah, it, it worries me too. And they're it's they're good. They got a couple of really yeah. good guards. Boston College, for whatever reason, is always sort of NC State's kryptonite. So. Jerome Robinson, if you don't know, is from uh, well, both of them. Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman. Kai Bowman was committed to Chapel Hill to play football. Interesting. And now, uh, now he's at Chapel Hill. I mean, at Boston College, excuse me. And you know, him and Jerome Robinson are both stars. So he's an athlete. He is an athlete. Oh. They play better against the North Carolina teams, too. It, it worries me. It really does. I think State's going to have to sweat it out, and if Boston College wins, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But at the same time, it's not a huge concern because State can withstand. Like, you've just got to go two and two. It doesn't matter who the two wins are. You, like, a tough loss is not going to kill this team at this point. Yeah. So, um, I'll say State sweeps, but one and one wouldn't surprise me. I think that if you keep the game – close in both yeah, of these there's point. a chance to win because oh for sure we've seen nc state finish out close games which is also which is also new yes and something that we haven't been used to so before. i mean if you can get one of those two guards in foul trouble then that'll be huge yeah but i don't know we'll see it's exciting times uh also got to mention the women's basketball team who's projected to host the first two rounds of the tournament absolutely so shout out west Moore, man He's a star, too. He should be ACC Coach of the Year again after he won last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, when you lose 80% of your starters. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, 
Yeah, a lot of people thought this was going to be a rebuilding year for the team. And I did. I did too, yeah. I wasn't prepared for a top 25 NC State women's basketball team. Right, I wasn't either. And I think that's where Keats can have NC State in a couple of years where you're just like there's no drop-off, you know. You can be a top 25 team every year. But I think we should also shout out the assistant coaches on both the men's and women's teams because – Yeah, I don't know their names. Couldn't I know do the, without I know the men's basketball – guys names they're all bald though you like to point that out a lot <laughs> so funny um, yeah but shout out all of them all the assistant coaches yeah on all of our sports teams okay that okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> wrestling but, team mean, also acc champs yes absolutely um trying to think of what else softball baseball underway uh softball team's gotten off to a decent start they struggled last year and this is a big year for them uh, I liked what I saw from the baseball team winning two or three against Seton Hall is pretty good. But uh, only got to the game on Sunday. I liked I liked what I saw even though State lost. Um, so I guess that'll do it for us. Anything else to add? Don't think so. All right, that'll do it. We want to thank Andrew Kristoff for joining us, and we want to thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of PAC-TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu slash sports.